Good morning. It's good to see you here today. Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Over in Luke chapter 11, uh, Luke tells us that Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples, Lord, teach us to pray. And in response to that request, Jesus gives his disciples a version of the Lord's Prayer. Now we have a beefier version of that prayer here in Matthew chapter 6 in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And last week we began a new series of messages called How to Pray based on or focused on uh, the Lord's Prayer. And uh, last week, we kind of introduced the whole subject of prayer. We talked about how not to pray, as, as Jesus teaches us in Matthew 6, how, here's how not to do it. And then we talked about what prayer is not, some misconceptions about prayer. And then we looked at what prayer is. And today, we're going to move into the Lord's Prayer proper. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. Pray then in this way. Here's how to pray. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, God, we thank you for this day. Thank you for an opportunity to gather together here in your house. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of prayer that you would allow us, not just allow us, but invite us to come to your throne and to bring our requests and, and petitions to you. Lord, thank you for the privilege of prayer. And now, Lord, we, just, uh, we, we say as the disciples do, Lord, teach us to pray. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you have your bulletin, there's that listening guide on the back panel. This morning, we're going to look at the pattern of prayer and the paternity of prayer. So pattern and paternity. First of all, the Lord's Prayer is a model prayer. This is a model prayer. Now, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really kind of a misnomer. It's, it's not really the Lord's Prayer. It's the disciples' prayer. It is a model or an example, a pattern that the Lord gave to his disciples. Here's how to pray. And we heard him say last week, don't pray with empty repetitions, meaningless repetitions. And, and, but instead, you ought to pray this way. So the Lord's Prayer is not a prayer just to be meaninglessly repeated, just recited. Now, you can pray the Lord's Prayer as long as you pray it purposefully meaningfully, deliberately, but it's not just a prayer to simply be recited, but rather it's a, it's a model, it's an example, a framework, we could call it a blueprint that we can pattern our prayers after. So it is a model prayer in that sense. And as a model prayer, I want you to notice we have a proper perspective. We need to get the right perspective, and then we can bring our petitions. The perspective starts with a focus on the Father. That's where Jesus begins. Here's how y'all pray. Our Father who art in heaven. The focus is on the Father. Now, do y'all ever do this? I'll, I'll confess to you. Sometimes I'm guilty of doing this. I'll just rush into the Lord's presence and I'll say, Lord, it's me. And here's what I want. <laughs> you know, give me this. Do this for me. Bring me that. Fix this for me. And it's just me, me, me. It's the me channel. Me, me, me. Here's what I want. Here's what I want you to do. And give me this. And, and it's me, me, me. 
That's the wrong approach. That's the wrong perspective. Jesus says, no, you start with the Father. Our Father who art in heaven. Now we're going to get down into these things a little bit more in the weeks to come. But listen to what he says. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. His name is the priority. His name. And we'll talk more about that later on. But it's not my name, not my, not my fame, not my success, my glory. His name is the priority. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. His will. That's the plan. Not my will. <laughs> His will. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Not my little kingdom. Lord, help me build my kingdom. <laughs> I want this and this and this and this. Not my kingdom. It's His kingdom. That's where we need to start. It's not my comfort, my will, my agenda, my kingdom, my domain. No, it's His name, His will, His kingdom. That's the right perspective. We're going to focus on Him. And then we can come to our petitions. Here's what I ask for. Here's what I need. Lord, we need provision. Give us this day our daily bread. We need provision. We need sustenance. And even the, the food on our table, something as basic and fundamental as food on the table, comes from Him. But the good news is we have a Father in heaven who is a faithful provider. So we need provision. We need pardon. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We need the forgiveness of sins. Lord, forgive us. And then we need protection. We ask the Lord for protection. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We need divine protection. Your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against forces of wickedness in high places. There is a spiritual war underway. And we need divine protection and a divine enablement as we engage in the spiritual warfare that is going on every day all around us. So that's our petition. So we start with the right perspective, His name, His will, His kingdom, then we bring our petitions. And again, we'll get into these more in depth as, as the weeks go by. But this morning, let's focus on the paternity of prayer. So there's the pattern. It's a model prayer. It's kind of a blueprint for us. Now let's focus in on paternity. And especially that phrase, our Father who is in heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. Now I'm going to say something. I'm just going to step in it. <laughs> I'm going to step in it big and deep. What I'm about to say is culturally inappropriate. It is politically incorrect. It's, it's narrow-minded. It's bigoted. It's offensive. It's ethnocentric. I mean, it's all kinds of awful things. But it's biblical truth. Prayer is the privilege of born-again Christians. Prayer is the privilege of born-again Christians. Now, God can do anything He wants, and God can listen to anybody He wants to listen to. But what we glean from Scripture is that God does not hear the prayers of an unbeliever. Prayer is the privilege of born-again Christians. Well, preacher, where do you get that? All right, let's break it down. As you read the New Testament... You find out there are two kinds of people, saved and lost. Only two, not one, not three. There are two kinds of people, saved and lost, sheep and goats. Or Adrian Rogers used to say, the saints and the ain'ts. <laughs> You're either a saint or you ain't. You're either saved or you ain't. The sheep and the goats, the saved and the lost. 
The lost are those who do not have a faith relationship with Jesus Christ. The lost are those who have not been born again, those who have not believed on the name of the Son of God. And the lost, the Bible describes the lost as the enemies of God. The Bible describes the lost as the enemies of God. Now, I've given you a whole list of Scripture references there in your Bible, and you can go home and read those and study those, but let me just kind of go over a few of them with you. Over in John chapter 3, here's what Jesus said. He who believes in Him, talking about the Son Himself, he who believes in Him is not condemned. So if you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already because he's not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. So the Bible describes those who are not saved, those who have not believed, put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as condemned. Condemned in their sins. In John 3.36, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. If you're saved, if you know Jesus, you have eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Did you hear that? So for the lost person, the one who does not have that faith relationship with Jesus, who has not been born again, he shall not see life, and the wrath of God abides upon him. He's condemned, and the wrath of God abides upon him. James 4.4, James is writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. And he says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God, or hostility toward God? Writing to Christians. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. He's writing to Christians. So when a Christian wants to be all friendly and cozy-cozy with the world, well, you're making yourself hostile toward God and you position yourself as an enemy of God. The unsaved person, the lost person, is not a friend of the world. He is the world. He is of God the world. He is the enemy of God. We hear that same language in Romans chapter 5. We were enemies of God. Isaiah 59 too, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face so that he does not hear. Your sins separate you from God and hide his face so that he does not hear. He doesn't hear your prayers. Proverbs 15 29, the Lord is far from the wicked but he hears the prayer of the righteous. He's far from the wicked but he hears the prayer of the righteous. In other words, he does not hear the prayer of the wicked. Proverbs 28, 9, he, turns, he who turns away his ear from listening to the law, even his prayer is an abomination. So the one who says, I don't, I don't need that Bible. <clears throat> I don't believe all that mess. I don't need that, don't want it, don't believe it. You can keep it. Well, the Bible says that person's prayer is an abomination to God. It, it's an offense to God to try to come to God and pray. You don't want his word, well, don't try to come to him in prayer. In Romans 5, again, says why we were enemies. So the Bible describes the lost as condemned, separated from God, alienated from God, hostile toward God, the enemies of God, under the wrath of God, without hope and without God in the world. The lost are the enemies of God. But then the Bible describes the saved as reconciled to God. We are reconciled to God through faith in Jesus Christ. When you repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, God the Son, reconciles you to the Father. Now let me say this. Christians are not better than lost people. The saved are no better than the lost. We've just received the mercy of God. 
We, we've accepted the mercy and the grace of God. We have been forgiven. We have been reconciled. We're not better. We've just been saved. We've been rescued. Somebody who has been rescued, they're not better than somebody who hasn't been rescued. They're, they're better off, <laughs> but they're not better. They've just been saved. They've been rescued. We were the enemies of God. But when you repent and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, God the Son reconciles you to God. And now you go from being God's enemy to being God's child. You're reconciled. Here's how the Bible describes the saved. Reconciled. Born again. Or born from above. Adopted as His sons. Adopted as His children. Forgiven. Our sins are forgiven. Justified. God justifies us. When you are reconciled to God through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ, God justifies you. That is to say, God declares you righteous, as though you'd never sinned in the first place. Now, you and I both know we sinned a lot in the first place. We're, we're not righteous. We have, we're guilty. We're condemned. And yet, through faith and trust in Jesus Christ, Jesus reconciles us to the Father, and God justifies us. He takes your sin and guilt and applies it to Christ. He takes the righteousness of Christ and applies it to you. And God says, righteous, as if he had never sinned at all. This is, this is just some of the things that God does for the born-again child of God. This is what it means to be saved. It's how we're saved. We have that eternal relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what we saw last week, John 17, 3. This is eternal life, that they may know Thee, the one true God, and Jesus Christ, whom Thou has sent. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's how you're saved. That's what it means. That you turn from your sin and you say yes to Jesus Christ. You, you come to a place in your life where you understand and you own the fact, I'm a sinner. I'm so guilty. I have broken the laws of God. I've done the things that God said don't do. I've, I've not done the things He said to do. I am guilty. But I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He's the only Son of God. He's the Savior. He's the only Savior. He's my only hope. And He died on the cross for my sins, and He was raised again. And now, in repentance and faith, I repent. I turn. Turn away from sin and self in the world. I turn away from the life I've been living. I turn to God. And in faith, I trust Jesus Christ to save me. I trust His death to atone for my sins. I trust His resurrection to give me life. I trust Him to save my soul. I, I put my life, my death, my eternity in the hands of Jesus Christ. I trust Jesus by faith. By faith, I accept His gift of eternal life. And when you do that, you are reconciled to God. The Bible describes Jesus as our mediator. There's one mediator between God and man. You know, when you are hopelessly estranged from somebody, many times you need a mediator. You're going to have to have a go-between. Somebody's going to have to step in the middle and say, hey, he, he needs this and she's saying that, and uh, a mediator. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The Bible describes Jesus as our high priest. What does a priest do? A priest brings God to man and brings man to God. He is our high priest who mediates, He reconciles, He brings us together with God. He is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. He is the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And all that is to say, it is by Jesus and because of Jesus, on account of Jesus, by His name, by His authority, and by virtue of what He has done for us, that we can pray at all. He reconciles us to God. Romans 5.10 says, while we were enemies, that's, that's, 
that's the lost, that's us before Jesus, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. So we're reconciled to God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We used to be His enemies, now we're reconciled. Now we're talking about prayer, right? Prayer is the privilege of born-again Christians. So here's number four on your outline. God responds to prayer in the context of a right relationship with Him. God responds to prayer in the context of a right relationship with Him. By the way, we can say the same thing for worship. God responds to worship when the worshiper is in the right relationship with Him. God responds to prayer when the prayer is in the right relationship with God. That's the whole arena for prayer. That's, 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 that's the, the venue. That's the context for praying. The Bible says this over in, in John 15, 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, then you ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. See, there's prayer, isn't it? Ask and God says, okay, there's prayer. You ask the Lord, and the Lord answers your prayer. That's what I want. Is that what you want? I want to be able to ask the Lord, and the Lord says, yes, okay, here you go. <laughs> That's prayer. Well, the condition of that is, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. In other words, you have a right relationship with Jesus. Over in, in uh, 1 John three twenty two, whatever we ask... We receive from Him. There's, well, that's powerful prayer life. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Oh, hang on. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Well, there you go. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, here, here's a man after God's own heart. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. The Lord will not hear me. Um, James says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. God responds to prayer in the context of a right relationship with Him. So, that brings us to number five. God is waiting to hear the prayer of repentance. So, what I, I believe what the Bible shows us, you put all that together... The Bible shows us God, God doesn't hear the prayers of the unbelieving. Prayer is the privilege of a born-again Christian. But God is waiting to hear the prayer of repentance. The first best prayer is a prayer of repentance. When anyone says, Oh Jesus, I repent, I believe, forgive me, save me, have mercy on me. A Savior. That's the first best prayer, the prayer of repentance. James 4, 8 says, you draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. You take a step toward God, you're going to find out He's already moving in your direction. You draw near to God, He'll draw near to you. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. That's the desire of God, that all would come to repentance. Acts three nineteen. repent therefore and return that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of of the Lord. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. God is ready to hear the prayer of repentance. By the way, it's also true for a Christian. <laughs> you might be saved, but you're not right with him. God's waiting for that prayer of repentance. For a Christian to say, Lord, I repent. I haven't been right. I want to get right. I, I want to come home. God is waiting for the prayer of repentance. Well, Prayer is the privilege 
of the born-again Christian. Now, let's move on to the next thing. God is Father to the born-again Christian. We're talking about the paternity of prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. God is Father to the born-again Christian. Sometimes you'll hear someone talk about the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. And, and all people, we're just all God's children. No, we're not. God is Father to the born-again Christian. We're not all God's children. Now, all humans are God's creation. We are all God's creatures. He is the creator of all. We're all God's creatures. And in that sense, we are all part of the human family, but we're not all God's children. Jesus told the religious leaders of his day, you're of your, your father, the devil. They weren't God's children. <laughs> they were Satan's children. You're of your father, the devil. No, you become a child of God when you repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we might be called the, the children of God, and such we are. You, you become his child when you say yes to Jesus Christ. But now I want you to think about this for a minute. If you've been in church for a long time, you know this, you're familiar with it, you, you've heard it a million times. He's, he's our Father in heaven. But I want you to let that, you know, it's kind of like cornflakes, taste them again for the first time. <laughs> taste that again for the first time. This is an amazing revelation in the Lord's Prayer and throughout the New Testament. This is a New Testament revelation that in Jesus Christ, God is not just our God in heaven, but in Jesus Christ, God is our Father who art in heaven. That He's not just your God, He is your Father. And I, and I know, if you've been in church for a long time, yeah, 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 tell me something I don't know. But let that sink in. That is, that's revelatory. That's a New Testament revelation. And we even, I mean, we catch it right here in the, new, in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven. Over in Romans 8, 15, You've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but we have received a spirit of adoption as sons, whereby we cry out, Abba, Father. Galatians 4, 6, Because you are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Abba is the Aramaic word for Papa. It's, it's sort of kind of like Daddy, as we would use it. Abba. He is our Abba Father, our Father in heaven. Now, I know for some people, conceiving of God as a father figure is challenging. Because unfortunately, there are some people who they've not had good fathers. Uh, there are some fathers who have abandoned their families, neglected their families, abused their, ch uh, their children, their families. And so for some people, that whole fatherhood thing is, is a hard concept. But now listen, we don't look to our earthly fathers to figure out what God is like. We look to God, our Father, to find out what our human fathers should be like. So you don't measure God in terms of your human father. No, you measure your human father in terms of our heavenly father. And here's what your heavenly father is like. He knows you. He knows everything about you. He loves you. He cares about you. He knows what you need before you even <laughs> before you know you need it. And he knows what you need before you ask him. And he invites you to ask him. And our father knows how to give good gifts to his children who ask of him. He is a faithful provider. 
And, and your Father, He has compassion. And He teaches us. And He guides us. He corrects us. He disciplines us. He expects obedience from us. He expects respect from us. He is our Father who is in heaven. He is Father to the born-again Christian. And then He is our Father. Jesus said, here's how you ought to pray. Our Father who art in heaven. Notice He is our Father. He's not just your Father. He's not only my Father. He is our Father. Here's what we hear in the Lord's Prayer, and you hear it all through the New Testament. The Christian life is lived out in community. The Christian life is lived out in the community of faith. No rugged individualism here. It's not me and Jesus against the world. No, He is our Father. There is a community of faith. We are part of the family of God. He is our Father. That makes us... Brothers and sisters, we're kin. <laughs> we're family, like it or not. Now, can we talk just a minute? Families are crazy. I mean, every family tree's got some nuts in it. Doesn't yours? If you don't think so, you're the nut the rest of your family's talking about when you're not there. <laughs> no, every family's got some crazy people in there, and every family's got some dysfunction. I mean, families are just crazy. And, and if we can be honest, your family can drive you up an ever-loving wall. Well, that's, that's church, too, isn't it? It's a family. There's some nuts. Folks, we're brothers and sisters in the family of God. The person who says, oh, you, give me Jesus, but you can keep the church, shows they are either ignorant of the Word of God or they are ignoring the Word of God. You cannot separate the Christian life from the body of Christ. I mean, that's the, it permeates the New Testament. It, it's, the, it's the Lord's Prayer. He's our Father who is in heaven. In fact... We're going to hear him saying, verse 12, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Verse 14, If you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. In other words, our earthly relationships matter to God, especially in the family, in the household of faith. And we'll get more into that later on. But he is our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven. And then lastly, He is our heavenly Father. Our Father, who art in heaven. And that's not so much about where God is as what God is. Our Father is in heaven. It's, it's not location. <laughs> it's God's attributes. It's not about geography. It's theology. Where, where's God? Well, I guess He's in heaven. Last time I heard, He's in heaven. <laughs> it's not about where God is. It's about what God is and what God is like. Ecclesiastes 5.2 says this, Don't be hasty in word or impulsive in thought to bring up a matter in the presence of God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. It's just a reminder who you're talking to. Our God in heaven. It, it's not just that God is God's in heaven. He's the God of heaven. He is sovereign. We've talked about that in recent weeks. Sovereign just means He reigns, He rules, He's in charge. He is overall. He has absolute rule and authority. He is sovereign. He's transcendent. He, he's in heaven. He's the God of heaven. He's transcendent. He's above all. Not only is He overall, He's sovereign. He's above all. He's beyond all. He's the Almighty. He is the Creator. In other words, He's just God. He's God. He is our Father 
in heaven. You know, the Bible shows us there's a fine balance that has to be struck. There's a balance. Jesus Christ is our Savior. But He's also the righteous judge who will judge the living and the dead. Jesus is a good shepherd. And He knows His sheep and His sheep know Him. And we hear His voice and we follow Him. He's our good shepherd. He's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. But He's not your pal. He's not your homeboy. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So there's a balance to be struck. Um, we get close, but not too close. <laughs> we can be familiar, but eh, not too familiar. Same thing is true of our Father who is in heaven. Our Father, Hebrews 4 says, Because Jesus Christ is our high priest, we can come to the throne of grace, even with confidence, with a boldness, a holy boldness. And we can receive mercy and find help in time of need. We can come to the throne of grace. God invites us, if not commands us, to come to Him in prayer. But now just keep in mind who you're talking to. He is the sovereign God. In fact, that same letter, the Hebrews, goes on to say, it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Our God is a consuming fire. So we can come with boldness, but now be careful, not too much boldness. <laughs> we can come with confidence, but just remember who you're talking to. And it's all because of Jesus that you can even talk to Him. There's, there's a balance to be struck. He is our Father who is in heaven. Well, there's the paternity of prayer. That's a good place to stop. Prayer is the privilege of the born-again Christian, and the context of prayer is a right relationship with God. And so the first, first question I need to ask you is, are you a born-again Christian? Have you been born again? Are you His child? We know you're His creation. We're all God's creatures. But we're not all His children. You become His child through faith in Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, you're the enemy of God. Without hope, without God in the world. But in Jesus Christ, you can be reconciled to God. Stop being His enemy and become His child. And be forgiven and saved and rescued and justified and made a child of God. Have you been saved? If not, if you're not sure, if you have doubts about that or questions, or if you're ready to say yes, then today's the day and now's the time. And I invite you in a moment, we want to stand up and sing our hymn of decision. I'll be right here. I invite you to come to me and say, Preacher, I need Jesus. I want to be saved. I need to be sure. However you want to say it. We'd love to have a private conversation with you. We're not going to pressure you. We're not going to embarrass you. We'll just share with you some scriptures, answer your questions, pray with you if you'd like to. But you can leave here today, not the enemy of God, but a child of God. Not under the wrath of God, but under the grace of God and the mercy of God. A child of God. Come to Him. Say yes to Jesus this morning. The context of prayer is a right relationship with Him. Let me talk to the Christians now. You've been saved. You know you're saved. Yep, Jesus Christ, He, he saved me, forgave me. I, I'm his Lord, he's my Lord and Savior. I'm His. But the question is, are you right with Him? God is waiting to hear the prayer of repentance, not only of the lost person, but really the saved person who's not right with Him. Whatever you ask... <laughs> It will be given to you if you abide in Him and His words abide in you. We, 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 ask what we, we receive what we ask of Him because we obey His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Are you doing the things that are pleasing in His sight? Are you right with Him? If not, today's the day. Now's the time. Get right. Stop resisting. Stop rebelling. Stop fighting. And just say yes. Just say yes to the Lord Jesus. Let's pray together.
Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the privilege, this high, holy privilege, this amazing gift of prayer that you would invite us, sinful, mortal creatures, to come into the throne room of a holy, eternal God and to commune with you and to talk to you and to bring our request to you. Oh, Lord, thank you. We love you for it, praise you for it. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to keep these things in mind, exactly what prayer is and the context of prayer and that right relationship with you. God, I pray for the one who's never been saved. Help them to hear they need Jesus Christ. They, without Jesus, they are condemned. They are separated. They are alienated. They are the enemies of God. And Lord, I pray that you convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment to come and bring them to, cro- to the cross even now. For the Christian who's not right, Lord, I pray that you would convict them, help them to see they're not right. They know they're not right. And it's time to stop. Time to come home. To get right, get close, and stay close. Take charge of this time of decision. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.